the Word of God that we'll take a look at is James chapter 1, and I invite you, uh, encourage you to check that out with me if you'd like. If you've got your own Bibles with you, you can follow along James chapter 1. I can tell you I'll be, I'll be looking there myself as we go through these words. I was talking with an acquaintance this the other the week, um, kind of a newer acquaintance, and she asked me what I was doing, what I did for a, for a job, and for the first time I got to tell her that I was a pastor, and that's oftentimes for the for, for a lot of people, that's the first chance I get to say anything about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm religious or anything like that, right? And so I, I told this, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, that must be really hard. And I said, oh, yes, thank you. Finally, somebody. Everybody thinks my job is easy. I just show up on Sundays for an hour and that's it. <laughs> but, uh, no, I wasn't looking for any pity or sympathy at the time. And, and so I actually said, well, no, I don't think she's, a, she's an educator. Uh, and I said, I don't think it's any harder than your job. <laughs> she said, actually, well, I, in this way, I think it is. And I mean, inspiring people. Inspiring people must be really hard. And I said, yes, you're right. Uh, we've given up on inspiration. I said, we're just going for survival. <laughs> one day at a time, one step at a time, just keep going, right? <laughs> and I know that sounds like a low bar, right? But, but it, there's, there's a lot of truth in it. Um, there's so much chaos there's so much confusion. Uh, there's, there's so much turmoil, so much trouble. The, the world feels very messed up, very turned around, very upside down. And, and it's easy to ask, you know, what is, what is going on? I mean, what's, what's the world going to, what's things going to look like in, in a year or six months? What are we supposed to be doing? The world, the world seems like a mess, and it, it really kind of is, and we are not by any means the first people to feel like it's a, a mess. If you take a look at the word from, from James this morning, if you've been hearing this with me, uh, you see in, in verse 1, James is, says that he's writing to people, 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Okay, That's how, that's how James starts. He says he's writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Now, if you, if you know by this point, actually, there are no 12 tribes They've disappeared. And so James is simply writing to his people and to, to the descendants of the 12 tribes. You know, but they're scattered. Right? It sounds like us after 18 months of a, of a pandemic. Uh, you, you've, you've people, friends, neighbors, families have all moved. Everybody up and left the cities. Uh, they're looking for new houses and jobs. Everybody's scattered the winds. You're saying, well, what, where, what's going on here? I don't even know which buildings I can walk into anymore. <laughs> Um, and then James, in the minute, he's going to go on and he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and I say, well, I feel like I'm certainly missing out on a whole lot of wisdom. It sounds a lot like us. How do you make decisions uh, uh, with all of the shifting and the changes that are happening? And, and James later on talks about the divide between the rich and the poor. And you say, well, that sounds familiar too. You know, you've got so much growing inequality that we're experiencing. We could go on and on with the list of troubles that we're experiencing and, and that people at, at the ancient time of James, they're no different than the troubles you and I have gone through. But James would also have us look at a, at a far deeper level. There's a much deeper level that we could see because whatever troubles you and I have, have gone through, they're really nothing compared to what's going on right now on a, on a much deeper level. At, at a lot of fundamental ways, at a very fundamental level, a lot of the beliefs that we hold as Americans, or we've at least tended to hold as Americans, they're being challenged. There's a clash, there's a collision, there's a, a, a collapse of beliefs at a very deep level. And it's a time of unrest, it's a time of testing, it's a time of trial. It makes, it makes us feel like there's a lot of trouble going on. 
And you know what I'm talking about, even if you wouldn't use those words, even if you wouldn't say it's a time of clashing and testing because there's fundamental beliefs, right? But just think how many of us, how many of us have always believed that the customer is always right? Customer's always right. I mean, don't you believe that, more or less? Those of you who work in sales stores are like, no, man, I don't want to believe it, right? And, and, and you're, you say that, yes, I, I would agree, right? But now all of a sudden, we're getting told, parents are told by schools, you don't get to treat, teach your children the way that you, you want. You don't get to show up at the days that you want at school. You don't get to have your kids wear a mask or not wear a mask or get vaccinated or not vaccinated. And, and I'm not taking a, a side on any of that. I'm simply saying parents are, are feeling like, well, wait a second. I thought I, I thought I got the say. I thought I was the customer and I'm always right. What is going on here? Right? And, and people who work for businesses, businesses are, are telling them, you can't come in here or you can come in here and you've got to wear a mask or not wear a mask. And it's like, well, wait a second. I thought I was the customer and I'm always right. How can, what's going on here? Right? There's this clash, this collision, this, this testing that's going on in our minds. Or, or, or you take a, a belief, a fundamental belief that many Americans have that says it's my body and it's my choice. That was, a, that was a belief held by a certain group of, of Americans, a certain a group of a political position, you might say, for a very long time. And, and now all of a sudden, there's a whole other group of people who are saying, hey, it's my body, it's my choice. And it's like, well, wait a second. These two groups, except for this one issue, are as far apart as you could possibly imagine politically under most circumstances. How can they both be saying the same thing? This just doesn't make any sense. Right? Or, or, or you, get, we, you and I have been told as, as, as Americans, you can be anything you want to be. You can just, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. And that's kind of a, a fundamental belief of American society. But now all of a sudden, there's, there's so many people who saying to us, right, you, you can't be too masculine or you can't be too feminine or you might even be the wrong gender. You might be the wrong ethnicity from the time you're born. You're just wrong. And you're thinking, well, wait a second. I thought I could be anything I want. What's going on here? Right? This is the clash on a very deep and fundamental level, the, the clash of beliefs that's going on. And if you're feeling the testing, right, you're feeling the, the trouble, what James would say is you're feeling the trials. Right? This is a trial. James writes to you and I, he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And, and most of us, when we think of trials or tests or temptations, right, we think of getting encouraged to do bad things. And so you're facing a trial if, if you're encouraged, like Judas, to betray a good friend. Or you're facing a trial if you're encouraged to, as a husband to steal some other man's wife. Those are biblical examples. But James today is going to say, look, there are all kinds of trials. And are you ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared for this trial that you're facing? Can you, can you handle this time of turmoil, this time of trouble, this time of unrest? Are you mature for it? Are you complete? Can you handle it? And it's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing to have this trial. In fact, it's not a bad thing at all that God would have our deepest convictions be challenged. God would say it's very much a good thing to have them. Because most of our basic beliefs about life are just wrong. They really are, right? Um, you, they take the silly example of the customer is always right. 
a lot of us chuckle at that and, and laugh at that. We'd, we'd love to say, yeah, I, I know that's wrong. Uh, but any, any business expert, any guru will tell you, no, you, you've got to operate that way. And, and in America, you try to resist that. You try to resist that, and it's going to be hard for you. I mean, even as a, a pastor at a church, a place where supposedly we're all in this, you know, we really are in this together, where we've all made the commitment. Imagine when I tell you that you're wrong. Does that go over too well? I can tell you it just doesn't go over too well. People don't like it when I, as a pastor, say to you, nope, can't do it your way. Right? Many of our basic beliefs, though, are, are wrong. And God want, would have us see that. God says, look, look at most everything that, that you believe. The, the one of the most basic beliefs that most people have is that if I'm a good person and if I do good things in life, then the universe or God or whoever it is out there will, will take care of me and I'll be okay and everything will work out all right. And that's just not, it's not true, is it? It's just not true to say, if I'm a good person, everything will be okay. The only thing that is true is that you and I are poor and lost and broken and sinful people. But at the same time, because of God's love for us in Jesus, we are loved, we are forgiven, and we are accepted. That, that is the, the true belief. That is the true thing that God would have you and I hold on to, to get through that mess. That's the message that is the gospel. It says that Jesus Christ was born, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again, so that you and I can be forgiven and accepted by God. And then, since we are forgiven and accepted, we have peace with God now, and we can have peace with God forever in heaven. That message, those belief, that belief is, is the true one. That is the one that will actually help us to get through all of this time and all of our reality. And Jesus shows us, James shows us today in these words, how it is that belief that will really turn this whole world back right. It's that belief, that conviction that says, I am forgiven and accepted only because of Jesus, that will say to me, this world can get put back right. It's a mess, yes, but I can find my way through it. And God wants to show that to you and I today. For example, he says here, consider it pure joy, right, when you face trials. Now, how can you have joy when you face trials? How can you have joy when you face, face trials? I mean, who can do that, right? If you believe that if I'm a good person, then everything will be okay, what happens the first time you have your girlfriend break up with you? Or you lose your first job? Or you get cancer? If you believe that if you're a good person, how, how can you have joy when you experience those kinds of, of trials. Because what you'll end up, what will you end up saying to yourself? You'll say, this thing, I thought I was a good person and I thought I was doing the right thing. This doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. right? But the gospel would say to you and me, Jesus has endured the very worst trial. He was separated from his father so that he could be joined with us and you and I would never be separated from God. And so we can, we can say, yes, my girlfriend broke up with me because I am a messed up person. And I probably did something and I betrayed my trust and I hurt her and I messed up the relationship. But at the same time, I know that my God, my God has endured any test so far worse than this so that he would never leave me. 
And, and even if my girlfriend does leave me, my God never will. Right? Or if you and I get cancer, we can say, yeah, I realize that I have this cancer because I am a broken person and I'm dying. My body is just falling apart and I'm falling apart and I'm, I'm supposed to be heading into the grave. But, but my God endured a far worse test. He was separated from, from himself and through, went through hell so that he would never be separated from me. Right? This is what the gospel says, does for us. It, it lets us turn this whole messy world back to the right way. Or, or James goes on in a minute and he says, believers in a humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. And again, you would say, how can I take pride in my poverty? Because that's what James is saying here. He's saying, if you're in humble circumstances, that's, he's talking about, it's a nice way of saying, if you're poor. How, how can you take pride in your poverty? If the meaning of your life is to be true to yourself and you're poor, what do you end up saying to yourself? You end up saying to yourself, my poverty keeps me from being the person that I should be. My poverty is ruining my life. But if, if the message of your life is to say, Jesus became poor so that I could be considered rich, then you say, yes, I am. I am poor. I am poor. I don't have a lot of money. Right? But my poverty lets me have a greater riches than I ever imagined. My poverty lets me know a God who gave up everything so that I, he could know me. Right? The gospel is this thing that turns this messy, chaotic, ugly world upside down. And if you read through these words from James, he goes over and over. He takes example after example. He says, how can you persevere in, in trial? Right? How can you? If, if you are facing a, a great test, should you keep going forward and keep persevering? And, and we've learned kind of to say yes, but the reality is, is if you run into a wall, what should you do? You should turn and stop running into the wall. Don't be stupid and keep hitting the wall, right? And yet God would say to you and I, keep persevering even in the worst of trials because the gospel has said, look, there is resurrection on the other side of death and it's okay if you lose everything because you will come back to life again. Over and over, Jesus says, you're going through a time of testing. You're going through a time of trial, but the gospel was the one thing that can take this messy, chaotic world and put it back right. It can put it back together. You know, what you and I, we, we feel like we're doing is we're watching an hourglass. Have you ever watched an hourglass? I love watching hourglasses every now and then, and I can understand why, why the, the really classic people, they used to put them on their desks and they would just let them fall, right? Because they're mesmerizing. But right now, you've watched that hourglass and and as you watch life, you're like, wait a second, stop. Stop the sand from pouring down because my life feels like it's just drifting and falling all apart. And I want to put everything back up together, right? I want to smash all of the, the sand back up into the hourglass. And, and the only thing you could possibly do, right, is, is turn it over. But you know you just end up watching the sand all crash back down again. What you need is, is a way that actually just turns the whole hourglass around. You need a way to make the sand go back up. And what God says for you and me in the gospel, have you ever seen, they actually make hourglasses that go in reverse. You can buy them. They're really kind of cool. Look at this. Watch it. Watch it. It goes back up. Watch this hourglass. Isn't that awesome? I want, a, I want an hourglass that goes in reverse.
what God has said in the gospel is, look, I've given you this perfect gift from above that can come down into your life and it will lift not just you, but it will lift your entire world back up. It has come down so that you might have a raising up once again. It's changed the very substance of, of our lives. Jesus has walked out of that tomb on Easter morning so that we have something to, to talk about and to hold on to, no matter how chaotic, how upside down, how broken our messy lives are. And it will raise this world and its brokenness all back up again. That's the gospel. And you might say, can God really do something like this? Right? Does this really happen? I mean, does this really happen in like normal, everyday life? Because you, you, you look at big things in the world and you say, don't things just constantly keep falling apart and blowing up? There's no Roman Empire anymore, right? There's no great cities of Europe. They've all crashed and they're falling apart. Where, does God really lift these things back up? And an example of this, I was, I was listening to a, a middle-aged guy, one of my acquaintances, ah, not even acquaintance, that's, that's too generous, but tell a story. He was talking with a 70-year-old man lately and... Um, he asked this seven-year-old man, you know, this, how are you doing? How are you? And the guy said, I'm good. And, and the middle-aged guy, this acquaintance, he said, really, you're good? He said, yeah, I'm good. He said, even with all the craziness going on, how can, you say, how can you say you're good? And he said, you don't know what it was like to live through the psychological trauma of the 60s. And he said, what do you mean? You're like, like the VWs, Beatles, and, and the Beach Boys, and, and uh, the Summer of Love? He said, no, no, man, that's all the stereotype stuff. I mean, the, the real psychological trauma of the 60s. He said, you think you're dealing with racial tensions now? You think you're dealing with the way that technology has turned over the world? You think that politics is a mess now? He said, you've got to understand what the world was like after World War II, right? We've, you've, you've got to imagine a world that had fairly established, fairly stable cultural narratives, and, and that everybody could find their part that was pretty much a shared cultural story that told us how the world went. But for the most part, right, it was pretty stable. And then he said you had the civil rights movement. And he said you think that you're traumatized now because people die at the hands of police. You've got to imagine what it was like to watch the leaders, the leaders of the movement get assassinated, right? When, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, you don't know what that did to the community. Or when Malcolm X was killed. You don't know what that did. Or, or when Fred Hampton was executed. He said there was this, this sense of trauma in the community. He said, you've got, you think you've got political chaos now. You can't imagine how controversial it was to elect JFK as president, you know, the first Roman Catholic and everything else. And, and then he was assassinated. And then they wanted to elect Bobby Kennedy as president. And then he was assassinated. And then Watergate happened and, and trust in the government as an institution just absolutely collapsed. Right? And he said, you think you're dealing with war. He, he, we lived through Vietnam and then the Cold War. We were draft dodgers and there was draft burning. We were absolutely horrified by the thought of violence. And then he said, you think your technology is cool because you can like FaceTime with people and all this kind of neat stuff. And it is cool. He said, but we put a man on the moon, right? I mean, we, we, we put people walking on the moon that had never been done in thousands of years. He said, you know, you think you've got all the problems with rise of, of mass media. We, we had the first radio and the first television we had to figure out what to do with. 
He says, you know, you think you're struggling with, with sexual realities. You've got to imagine what the pill did to the world, to families. All of a sudden we could have sex without consequence and what kind of trauma that created, unrest that created. And then you had the Stonewall riots and, and how for the most part that meant the end of a stable understanding of the family. And then there's the hippies and the countercultural and da-da-da. It just went on and on. And, he, and then my 40-year-old my acquaintance kind of friend, he said, oh, the trauma of the 60s, huh? He said, and then do you know what happened next? I said, no. And he said, the Jesus movement. Out of all of that mess of a movement came this crazy thing that we call the Jesus movement. And if you know anything about the Jesus movement, you know that it just, it changed the world. It took the church world of that time by storm. And the reason it did it is because every ideology, every structure, every narrative that was put out there was tested and tried and it crashed and it burned, it failed. It just could not answer the real questions that people have. And then a couple of kids picked up their Bibles and they read about the way of Jesus. They read about the kingdom of God. They read about the gospel and the following of Jesus and, and it turned the church world apart. They made it on the cover of Time Magazine. When was the last time you saw a church show up on the cover of Time Magazine? You think God can't turn all of this right, turn this mess around? Just you wait and see. <coughs> Friends, this is what God calls you and I to, to be part of this great moment in history. And, and I don't know, I don't know what it's going to look like in five years or in 10 years. Heck, I don't even know what it's going to look like in six months. I don't know what the, the church in Otsego and Plainwell will look like in, in, in few months. You know, I don't know. But I do know it's going to be what we make it to be. And here's how God wants you and I to be part of it. He says here at the end, he says, He chose us to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. We're on the end of a new movement, but it's threatened. It's not threatened by pandemics or vaccines or the government or anything else like that. It's threatened by us. It's threatened by us and our <coughs> comfort. It's threatened by us and our ease. It's threatened by us and our adoption to cultural values, to the way of life that we want to do. It's threatened by us and our acceptance of of, of the world and wanting to be accepted by everybody else. Friends, there is no guarantee of a great church, of a great structure, of great leaders. Nobody is going to come along and save us. There is only one thing that is truly great to rescue us now, and that is, that is the victory of God in Jesus. That's the one thing. And some of us are on the red verge of compromise. We're ready to give up. We're ready to give in. Maybe not on showing up for church on Sunday. We'll keep doing that. But I mean, as far as talking to our neighbors, as far as talking to our friends, as far as committing to the Christian life and following the way of Jesus, we're ready to give in. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is the time to come alive by this word of truth, to be born again, to have that new birth. And so I want to just encourage you. I want to encourage you to, to believe. Have faith. Believe in God, believe in his son Jesus, have faith, have hope, have love, believe that gospel, 
and bring it with you wherever you go. Because the gospel is the way through this mess. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this amazing gospel, this incredible gospel. And Father, we, we ask that you would forgive us for feeling like we need to compromise. Maybe it's time to give up. Maybe it's time to give in because we can't see a way through this mess, a way through this chaos. Lead us by the word of truth. Take us forward with your truth because it is far greater, far more wonderful than we could ever imagine. Keep us from that compromise, God, and bring us through this mess. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's confess our faith and, and keep that word of truth with the words of the Nicene Creed. Would you uh, stand with me and confess? Let's confess the Nicene Creed together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen.